In confusion and uncertainty, there emerges a guiding light, a beacon that cuts through the darkness. Welcome to Beacon of Truth with your host, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Beacon of Truth. I am your host, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, and we are here to help bring all of you to a deeper love and intimacy with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the Catholic faith by speaking the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15, not with vitriol, not with anger, not with polemics, or not with triumphalism, but it's going to be the truth. Why? Because truth is not an idea, not a philosophy. Truth is a person. John 14.6, I am the way. The truth and the life, our Lord says, no one comes to the Father but by me. So on Beacon of Truth, we're going to be addressing topics from that perspective, always seeking the truth and connecting that truth to our everyday lived experience. If you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call at 833-288-3986. Again, that's 833-288-3986. 3986 or emails at beacon with a B, beacon at EWTN.com. Well, I have one more day home and then I start a very busy speaking schedule. Why? Because Lent starts next week, the single busiest time of the year uh, for traveling for me. And so I will basically be on the road until Palm Sunday when I'm back in my parish here in Portland, Oregon. But until then, uh, if you want to see where I'm going to be, and if you'd like to see me in person, uh, I always love meeting members of the EWTN family, uh, both the Global Catholic Radio Network and, of course, EWTN Television. Uh, Just go to my website, deaconharold.com, and click on the schedule in the page header, and you will see all the places I'll be traveling to over the next uh, five weeks, six weeks or so. So love to see you. So uh, also, if you want to get any of my uh, books, they're available at the EWTN Religious Catalog. I have five of them that are there, as well as all of my series um, uh, on the uh, on the network, as well as five of five. I have nine television series. Five of them are with the person we just heard on open line of my my good friend, Father Brian Milady, who also lives here in Portland. And we. We try to get together and see each other uh, whenever we're both in town. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he's he's awesome man of God. So today's topic is discerning God's will. Oh, yeah. How do we know whether it's my will or whether it's God's will? God's will. Uh, and, you know, and I, I want to pr- approach this topic from uh, from a place that you probably are not thinking of. First of all, I want to talk about uh, when we get to that segment, why why am I here? Why are we here? What's the purpose of our lives? Because there, there are schools of thought out there that says there is no purpose to our life. There is no reason for us to be here. So I want to take a look at that first because once we have a purpose uh, for our life, once we uh, see why we're here, then we can say, okay, what the, how do I connect my will then therefore to God's will? And how can we do this in a very practical way? 
Well, uh, yesterday I was in the car uh, after the show running a few errands, you know, because typically before I travel, I have to go to the bank and the post office and the dry cleaner and all of that stuff. And I was listening to um, uh, I had my daughter in the car. And I was, uh, you know, she puts her, I, whenever one of the kids in the car, I let them use their Spotify playlist. Um, and uh, we were listening to a Beyonce song. Now, I typically don't listen to a lot of contemporary music. I, as far as I'm concerned, I think the best era for music was the 70s and, and the early 80s. Uh, that, that's just me. You know, that's that's the era I grew up in. Uh uh, but I but they were playing a song yesterday called "Love on Top" uh, by Beyonce, and you know I gotta say I really like that song. Um, uh, the video visuals I could do without, but the the song itself is catchy, hip hoppy. But what I loved are the four at the, the the last two two and a half minutes of the song. There's four key changes, and you know which I didn't expect. You know, like every then what happens every eight bars, boom, it goes to another key change. Eight bars, boom. Another key change. I thought it added a very dynamic element to that to that song, um, you know. And I was thinking about you know, because obviously we we shouldn't necessarily take every song and secularize it. Try to I mean every secular song and try to spiritualize it and turning it to into something that was never intended to be. But I was thinking sometimes you know you're we're living our life and bam something unexpected happens. You know, uh, whether it's a good thing or it's a bad thing. But either when either one of those things happen, that's unexpected, good or bad. Are we praising God in those moments? Are we thanking God in those moments? Yeah, it's easy to thank him when something's going good, you know, but what, what, when something happens uh, that's that's um, that make, puts us out of our comfort zone, that makes us a little uncomfortable, that makes us feel that sometimes that uh, God's not walking as closely uh, with us uh, as as we as we want to. Are we still praising God uh, during those times in the midst of the culture right now, with everything going on with war and with uh, uh, confusion, uh, confusion about what marriage is, what gender is, uh, confusion even within our church, uh, quite frankly. You know, um, are we are we still are we worrying about that kind of stuff or are we praising God? So that's kind of things I was thinking about uh, yesterday after the show. And, you know, we have our wonderful show team with us, uh, Matt Gabinski, our call screener and social media expert, Charles Berry. And, of course, our producer, Ace McKay. Ace is in the place. How you yes, doing, sir. brother? Uh, that phrase is catching on. Jerry and Debbie were using it earlier today. So uh, we need to get that on a T-shirt. Which one? Aces in the place. Which which phrase? Oh, aces in the place. Okay. Well, you know, I think it's from that commercial. Yeah. That for uh, hardware, Ace Hardware, or something like that. You know, there's like a catchy little jingle that a lot of those commercials have, and I think it's some like Ace in the place or Ace or something like that. So I think that's where we're getting it from. I have you, to come up with something different though. No, it's good. I like it. I'll answer to you know, as long oh, as you, you call like? me. Okay. It's good. It's all right. You know, you're talking about music <laughs> and and how not to over spiritualize. I feel like as the closer I get to God, there's not a single song that I don't hear that there's not even like a phrase or a chorus that could be from a worshipful heart. Not to say, again, not to take something and add a worship atmosphere to it just because it's that to me or it could sound that way to someone who, you know, has a deep walk with God. 
But I think the more that we create that filter, you know, it's it's us in the world, not of it. Right. So if we if we have that filter in place, not only does it help us to decipher those things that we need to not have in our lives, but to also when we need a moment of worship, that it could be an Eagle song or a Lenny Kravitz song or whatever happens to be on in the moment because it speaks to us where we are. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, and, and, you know, there are songs that are secular that have, at least when you hear them, a spiritual element to it. You know? Yep. Um, the, the, the songs aren't intended to be that, but when a song hits you a certain way, does something to you, mm. you know, it elevates your mind and heart, it brings you back to a memory, it makes you feel something from the past, or ma- makes you remember a loved one, whatever, it, whatever that is. You know, there, there is a spiritual dimension because obviously uh, God is the only creator. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the word for create in Hebrew is bara. And the only one that creates anything in the Bible, the only subject of that verb is God. Mm-hmm. You know, we co-create with God, you know, and, and so and music is a part of that. And, you know, we, we're out, we will be uh, uh, having a show. We're going to be talking about um, music um, and worship. You know, music and worship is going to be a topic we're going to be talking about in the next uh, no, week or two or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but we're de- it's definitely an important thing that we, that we definitely want to be talking about. So uh, let me ask sure. you, I don't think I've asked you this yet since we've been uh, friends, is do you have an anthem? Like, is there a song that like when you're down, kind of like that Eye of the Tiger, Rocky, you know, because I, I feel like we all need that anthem in our lives so that when we are having kind of a bummer, like for me, Mine is Feel Invincible by Skillet. Like, it's a driver. It's got the lyrics. Like, everything about that song is like, okay, God, you make me feel invincible. So I was wondering if you have that anthem. Uh, Wow. I, I think there's a couple of songs that, that really move me in that. One of them is Lap of the Gods by Queen mm. off of Sheer Heart Attack. It's the, second, it's the first uh, song on the second side of that album. Yeah. Uh, which I, I just love that. I, you know, starts off with the um, Roger Taylor, that high, piercing, screaming, the dramatic music. Uh, that really does it for me. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're uh, coming up on segment two here. We're going to be doing uh, talking about the Psalms and a little bit more history on the Psalms. But if you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call, 833-288-3986, or email us, beacon at EWTN.com. I'm your host, Deacon Harold Burke. So today's topic is discerning God's will. And if you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call, 833-288-3986, or email beacon at EWTN.com. We had someone uh, uh, was asking, will Deacon's retreat be streamed? So I think they went uh, went to my schedule and saw that I'll be um, uh, I think there's a the next few weeks I'm giving a retreat, uh, a men's retreat in uh, the Seattle, Washington area. And no, the retreat will not be streamed. In fact, I'm not encouraging any of these to be streamed. 
um, because the whole point is to come to the mission, yep. to come to the retreat in person. I mean, I, I you know, I, I did about uh, 50, maybe close to 60 online events during the year and a half of the pandemic. Hmm. Um, you know, because when your friends call you, you know, when I got called from like Matt Frad and Chris Stefanik and Jason Everett and folks like that, or Steve Ray, and they're like, hey, Deke, I'm doing this online thing. You want to be part of it? Sure. Why? Because I can't go anywhere. Might as well. <laughs> right. you know, jump but, you know, um, but now that we're back to, um, you know, back to being t- together in person, look, ultimately we're an incarnational church. We need to be together. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word did not become flesh and have a Zoom meeting. You know, so we we need to be together. We need to be part of a family and a community. So I'm actually discouraging streaming mm. of any of my live events so that people can actually come and participate and be part of it. Because, I mean, and then if they want to post them, like, afterward, after I'm gone, yeah. after the event's over, that's fine. But not, but not during the event. We really need to not be afraid to be together um, as a people of God. I mean, I... I totally get it. I mean, people still come to the events wearing masks. That's that's your choice. Yeah. You know, if that's what you want to want, if that's what you want, more power to you. You know, uh, love you. But but um, but but the whole point is to come in person uh, to to experience um, uh, the, the teachings live, so we can touch each other and mm-hmm. see each other and hear each other and see each other's um, faces. You know, to, to me, that's the point. Yeah, good stuff. Of course, uh, before we get into the Psalms this afternoon, we want to, of course, let you know that uh, good reading material for you to check out is The New Scientific Evidence for the Existence of Christ by Jose Carlos Consuelos Hurtado. And you want to make sure you get this book because it helps to challenge atheists and agnostics and defend the ideologies that uh, help you to really kind of have the answers to your own beliefs. So find out more about that when you buy Catholic and shop EWTNRC.com and get your copy today. All right, well, that music means one thing. We are ready to talk about the Psalms. Uh, So all this week, uh, I I was mentioning that we're going to, during this segment of the show, we're going to be breaking open the Psalms and uh, making a deeper connection between the Psalms and our everyday lived experience. The Psalms are what we hear in every holy sacrifice in the Mass, even during weekday Mass. The weekday Mass, we have one shorter reading than on Sunday, but we always have the Psalms. And uh, we've talked about this week so far that the, the Psalms are part of the Sefer Telechim in Hebrew, which is the Book of Sun Praises. Um, there are 150 of them. And uh, they're called Mizmor in Hebrew or Salmoi in Greek, which means songs sung to the lyre. So they're intended to be sung and with music. We talked about the different types of psalms. We talked about the Todah psalms, which are thank, uh, psalms of thanksgiving, Shigayon psalms, lyrical poems, poems composed under strong and passionate emotion. We talked about the Hallel psalms, 113 to 118 and 135, and also Dudor Hallels, 145 to 150. We talked about Messianic Psalms of Fulfillment. We looked a little bit of the history of the Psalms and uh, how the, the different authors, writers of the Psalms, and musicians of the Psalms as well. And today, we're going to continue the discussion by looking at how these Psalms were used in the early worship 
and prayer of the church. And so we see, in, for, for, for example, First Chronicles um, chapter 23, verse 30, we see morning and evening prayers of the Levites, uh, which uh, uh, part of the synagogue worship, where they use the Psalms, for example, Psalm 119, which is, a, which is the longest psalm, by the way, which is a very um, beautiful meditation uh, on uh, the law of God. You know, uh, it's, for example, uh, verse 164 says, at midnight, I will rise and thank you for your just decrees, you know. And, and, uh, and, and interesting because the uh, Carthusians today, you know, the Carthusians are a group of um, hermits that live in community. They were founded by St. Bruno. And uh, there's a, 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 an amazing movie, by the way, called Into Great Silence. Into Great Silence that, uh, that uh, shows and highlights the life of the Carthusians. Fascinating movie. Um, but they literally take, they take that seriously. They, their day starts at midnight. <laughs> they, they get up and they start their, their prayers in the night, matins. Um, uh, in the middle of the night, it's it's it's, it's a beautiful thing. So um, we're still doing that to this day. Now, in the early Christian practice, in continuity with the the Jewish practice, um, we see, for example, in, in uh, Colossians three sixteen, Paul talks about psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs being sung by the early Christians. Right. So so they held on to the psalms. Remember. Just because it's in the Old Testament doesn't mean that it's we we uh, shouldn't use it anymore. These things have to be seen in light, in the light of Christ, right? Christ prayed the Psalms, and we're going to be looking at those Psalms that He prayed as we continue uh, with the show uh, over the next months. Uh, so we're going to really take a look at how these Psalms help us to deepen our intimacy with God through through prayer and through singing. And then we see, for example, uh, the development of the Psalms continues in the life of the church with St. Anthony of the Desert, who was the first monk, uh, and other hermits in the desert who prayed the Psalter daily. In fact, some of these guys prayed the entire 150 Psalms every day. (laughs) Wow. You know, I guess, well, I guess if you're a hermit living in the desert, you got nothing else to do but pray every all day. It's true. So, uh, you know, so the Psalms are a way to do that. And by the third century, the Psalms were adopted permanently into the life of the church, uh, mostly through the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and also in the Liturgy of the Hours or the Divine Office. Now, you, uh, you're um, Anglican, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. So, 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 Ace, you guys use Psalms too, right? Oh, in, absolutely. In yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love in our. Um uh, Book of Common Prayer is, you know, like dead center is like nothing but. And so it's really great when you're doing morning prayer services or doing a quiet time to be able to just flip and it's all right there together. Eventually, I'm going to get one that has all the Bible, all the prayers, all the hymns, all the contemporary. It's just going to be like a novel. It's just, you know, this big, wide book. It's just everything in one location because I'm constantly between, you know, prayer book and Bible and apps and you know, there's, and then I'm usually streaming music while I'm either doing my own, you know, devotions and prayer time. But they speak differently based on where you're at. Like it, it's amazing how no matter where you're at, there's always a psalm to meet you where you are. Yeah, so true, so true. I love that. And as we c- continue to look at the kind of the, the the psalms and the history of worship, we see uh, Hippolytus of Rome. Uh, he was the one that came up with the idea of 
seven times, like we're following the Psalms seven times a day, I will praise you. And so these idea of, of, of sanctifying the day, you know, from, from the time we wake up till the, the, the time we go to sleep, that, that we're praying throughout the day as a way, in a, in a sense, to sanctify the day. And so he came up with the idea of seven different times of prayer, seven, quote unquote, hours, not literally 60 minutes, but right. seven hours of prayer. So upon waking, which is a very strong Jewish tradition, the third hour, which is about 9 a.m. in honor of Christ's crucifixion, the sixth hour which is noon, remember uh, the remembrance that darkness fell upon the earth during the crucifixion. The ninth hour, which is when Jesus, 3, 3 p.m. when Jesus died, the hour of mercy, the piercing of his side uh, by Longinus with the spear. And then there's also uh, prayer before sleep at midnight and then at the middle of the night. You know, so these are these are the hours of sanctification. Now, obviously, <laughs> uh, uh, we don't... Um, Follow those exact, unless you're a, a monk, uh, like Cistercian or as I mentioned, the Carthusians that really follow those hours to a T. Um, most of us will pray some of those Psalms during the day. So, for example, I pray the full complement of Psalms at the, in the Liturgy of the Hour. So Matins or Office of Readings, uh, which is I do first thing when I wake up and then Lauds, which is morning prayer and then midday prayer. Uh, uh, terse sect or non one of the three midday prayers then vespers or evening prayer and compline or night prayer kind of a way to sanctify the day always remembering the good things that God has done for us in, in our lives and we see some of the key other figures besides um, Hippolytus we see Basil the Great um, he was the one that incorporated the Gloria Patri uh, the doxology at the end of the Psalms glory, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit and of course of course, my main man, Saint Benedict, mm -hmm. uh, the father of Western monasticism, the writer of the Holy Rule. He incorporated the Psalms into, uh, which is still used um, uh, not only by monks, but by uh, many, many others today uh, on breaking up the Psalms into what I just mentioned, vigils, laws, prime, terse, sect, non, vespers, compline. He was the one who really uh, systematized that in his rule. And um, the rule required that the, the psalm to be prayed every week, uh, the 150 psalms every week in chapter 18 of the rule. And so obviously now what we have in the church today is we have the psalms broken up into a, a four-week cycle, or in the monastery I was in, it was a two-week cycle. Um, you know, it just makes it more manageable given real life and all the different things that we have to deal with. Yeah. But it's still a beautiful way to sanctify the day. Well, and, you know, I think one of the things I still see and even at times have struggled with myself is the whole pray without ceasing, you know, and people feel when they it, they stop, like if I stop praying to talk to you, okay, am I being disobedient, you know, or when I don't know what to say when I need to be praying, you know, the Psalms is a great place for you to find those words when you don't know what to talk or say to God. It's kind of like a love song when you don't know what to say to your spouse you find a love song, you know, and Barry Manilow might say it for you, you know, it's kind of that, <laughs> that kind of way of thinking. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's great. Uh, so, yeah. So the, the, the uh, tomorrow we'll look at um, just some uh, some more interesting things about the Psalms. And then next week we will dive into the actual Psalms themselves. But I think. Uh, going through this uh, history, a little bit of exegesis on the Psalms really will help us to appreciate the depth 
of what's God of what God is doing to hear God's voice in the Psalms. So we'll be back uh, for to talk about discerning God's will. Phone number to join us 833-288-3986. like that gotta reel you back in yeah <laughs> a little funky up in here Woo-hoo! welcome back to beacon of truth with deacon harold burke sivers uh so great to be with you and today we're talking about discerning god's will and we have our our uh, crack show team with us today we have matt kabinski <laughs> our call screener uh charles berry our social media expert and ace mckay our producer ace in the place Looking forward to uh, congratulating. Uh, I've really been doing this most of the day, but uh, another member of the EWTN family celebrating at KHFR 103.5 FM in Fairfield, Iowa. They are celebrating nine years with us this week, and we want to say congratulations to Mary and the great folks at KHFR. So, of course, from your friends here at EWTN, congratulations. Yes, congratulations. Oh, that's so wonderful. So many members Awesome members are EW10 family. That's so great. If you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call. 833-288-3986. That's 833-288-3986. Or email us at beacon at EWTN.com. So discerning God's will. So here, here's how I want to approach this. I want to first talk about why we're here. Because we cannot discern our purpose if we don't know why we're here. So there's basically uh, two kind of views of 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 uh, our existence here on this on Earth and our existence in general. There's kind of the classical worldview, and I'm going to make this as simple as possible. This classical worldview that says that uh, that there's something. It's called a teleology. All that means is the universe has a design and a purpose and an ultimate end. In other words. There's a reason why we're here. God has a specific purpose for our lives. It, why were you born at, at a particular time, at a particular place, at a particular point in history? Why were you given certain particular skills, a particular skill set? Why are some people more um, uh, inclined towards science and uh, and mathematics, and why are some people more geared toward art and uh, creativity or sports or something like that? You know, so there is a purpose, there is a design, there's an ultimate end. And, and, and things that we see can be known and understood by their essences, okay, by, 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 the, by the very nature of what these things are. So if I said dog right now, every single person who just heard my voice in their head Imagine a dog. It, it doesn't matter what type of dog it was, but you understand there's something of something called dogness, right? So when I said dog, that that <clears throat> that, that created a vision in your head, that created a uh, uh, a reality that you know to be true. So this idea of this classical worldview 
why we're here. There's a goal directed. There's a purpose. There's a meaning. There's a there's very uh, in the very structure of matter and the very structure of our lives. There are there is a purpose. Now that is juxtaposed to kind of a mechanical view of the world, and, and this is something that's espoused in our culture today. Uh, uh, that says there are no um, uh, meaning, there is no purpose built into the natural or supernatural. Well, there's no supernatural, uh, th- th- so there's no purpose or meaning built into the natural world, and that any apparent meaning is heteronymous. In other words, these is something that's forced upon us, something that comes from a social construct, something uh, that's projected onto the human mind that's imposed from the outside. So basically all we are are meaningless uh, particles in motion. Uh, And there's nothing, once we die, there's nothing after this. The world is nothing but a machine and a mechanism and nothing more. So if you have that view, this mechanical view of the world, you will never find your purpose or your will. Because first of all, you probably don't believe in God. Uh, uh, or, or or anything supernatural. So it's not that you just don't believe in God. They don't believe in any uh, devil or evil or or anything that's beyond what you can see, taste, touch, measure, or quantify. And so if you're living life like that, then you're really living with, with no purpose, right? Because your your life is not tied to anything greater than yourself. You're only living for yourself. And maybe, you know, you could... um. Uh, you, 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 you could be living a, a, a kind of a natural law kind of existence, you know, and the very foundation of the natural law is synderesis, which is do good and avoid evil, right? But then because we're living in a morally relativistic culture with, with the foundation built on subjective truth, you know, your reality of what is quote-unquote good is going to clash with someone else's worldview who says that there is a purpose and a meaning to life. And so your view of what is good is going to clash with someone else's view of what is good. For example, you may think that watching pornography is a good thing. Uh, 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 Using women as objects for exploitation, for money, and for pleasure is a good thing. Well, that's not a good thing because you realize that every single person is made in the image and likeness of God. There's an inherent dignity and respect that must be shown to every single human person, no matter race, color, gender, class you know when we look at that person standing in front of us we're looking at someone made in god's image and likeness okay so knowing that knowing that my life has a purpose that i'm here for a reason how then do i discern god's will you know uh uh one so i'm going to give some practical things how do we know it's my will or god's will because i had to struggle with this myself at, at two major points in my life uh the decision to get married or go back to the monastery was a big decision I had to make. And also leaving uh, my career and, and uh, leaving all that to speak and to write full time. How do I know which one was which? Well, one of the ways you might be able to know is you don't want to change. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, think about it. You ain't talking I mean, to me. Well, no, because you say, okay, um, uh, you, 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 you have this desire in your heart that says, you know, I, you know, you, you're, you're in adoration or something. You're, you're, you're thinking about your life, the course and direction of your life, 
and you're thinking, you know, you think that, wait, wait a minute, why am I thinking about making this change? And you don't want to change. That may be a sign that it's from God. Mm-hmm. It's something that God wants and not what you want. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Sure. Well, and, you know, you and I have talked about how, you know, you go back to revisit verses as your faith grows. And, you know, the whole, you know, from the verse of, you know, God gives us the desires of our hearts. And I used to interpret that as, well, God, I want this and I've been praying for this for a long time and and I'm really good at it. So you should give it to me. Whereas I've learned as I've gotten older that he gives me the desires for the things that he wants me to do so that I'm passionate about those things, so that I know that his timing is perfect, because I'm guilty, maybe as much as any of us, of looking at opportunities that I wish I had had or things that I, you know, others are getting the opportunity for. Why don't I get that? I, I, I could do that when either, if, even if it is my calling or my purpose, I'm not ready if it's not mine yet. And a lot of times, especially even like we can equate this with jobs, where, well, someone else got my job. Well, no. Someone else got their job. Your job is coming. You have to be in the joy of now and waiting for what's coming because we we all want it now, right? It's that microwave society thinking. It's like, well, why do they get the blessing of this and and I have to wait? Like we, so it's not just about change. It's about observing other people because I know I've been easily guilty of that. Yeah, and that could lead to sin, quite frankly. I mean, when you're when you're, uh, for for example, like sometimes as as a guitar player, like you hear Eddie Van Halen, mm-hmm. or you hear uh, Matteo Mancuso, this this new dude out of Italy, who plays with his fingers. He plays like a different um, finger style playing, but he plays like metal. He plays jazz. Uh, he plays a uh, prog. Just an an amazing player, or like you know Vernon Reed or or uh, John Petrucci from Dream Theater, something like that. I watch those guys. I go like I put the guitar down. Like why am I even doing this? What's the point? <laughs> right. You know I can't play like that. You know. Um. And, and so what happens is when you're you can become jealous or envious of someone else's talent and not focus on the talents that God has given you. Yeah. You're so worried about what somebody else has that you don't worry about what God has given you. How can that lead to sin? Jealousy and envy. So jealousy is when you you wish that you had what somebody else had. Envy is when you wish that that person didn't have it at all. Hmm. So that would be so if I so I'm jealous. That could be like oh I wish I could play like uh, play like John Petrucci or like Eddie Van Halen. That's jealousy. But to say I wish they never had that talent. Yeah. That's envy. That's see now we're starting to get to sin into sin here, you know, um, uh, where 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 instead of wishing the best for that person, instead of glorifying in that talent that God has given them. I mean, I imagine like watching the movie um, about Mozart. Remember how jealous they were? Here's a guy who seemed a little bit silly, a little bit off, but the brilliance of the man. You know, how God was able to use it. Like, welcome. I didn't receive that kind of talent. We can't worry about what somebody else has had. Mm-hmm. What we need to, to discern is how can I best use what God has given me? Now, I know we have Marie from, uh, from our first international caller from Winnipeg, Manitoba in Canada. Uh, Marie, thank you so much for being with us. What's your question or, or what's your comment? Uh, yeah, yes, uh, brother. I want that because I would like to ask. Uh, how can I discern God's will for me? God's will, discerning God's will in my life. Uh, I, I'm dealing with uh, sickness right now. 
I might have anxiety and some kind of uh, voice hearing problem. And sometimes I can discern that it's good, sometimes it's bad. And then I would like to know what will, what is the purpose of my life, what, what is the purpose of my sickness right now, discern God's will. If it is to, 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 uh, to pray for others or to serve in the community of those who have mental disorder or yeah, yeah. I, you know, Marie. I, I. First of all, please know that uh, I'll be praying for you. Um, the 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 entire EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network family is going to be praying for you because this is something very very difficult to deal with. Uh, mental health issues or physical issues. We and and trying to find the purpose that you heard me start off the show, this segment of the show talking about the meaning and purpose of our lives. But you, when you're in the midst of suffering, when you have depression or anxiety or another mental disorder or a physical disorder, especially a chronic one, every, you wake up with in pain, you spend the whole day in pain, and you go to bed in pain. And you know when you wake up, you're going to follow that same pattern over and over again. And, you know, and, and on the surface, those things could be could seem like inhibitors to God's will. You know, I can't, because, you know, your question is like, I can't discern, how do I discern God's will when I have all this thing, all these other things going on? Well, maybe you can see God's will within those physical or mental limitations. You know, maybe we have to see how, how God is called to glorify you. Look, we all have crosses that we're, that we're bearing in our lives. But having those crosses and bearing those crosses with dignity, with love, just as Jesus bared his cross for us, cannot prevent us from, from picking up that cross and moving forward when things get difficult. You know, when we're going through something, uh, experiencing some physical or mental dis, uh, 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 acuity, disacuity, we have to be able to uh, still trust that God is able to work with our limits, with our weaknesses. We see in 2 Corinthians, for example, Paul was plagued with something. We don't know what it was, but he, he was asking God to take it away from him. Uh, and, and, he, and, and he was you know, articulating to us what God was saying to him in his heart, that he said, my, my power is made perfect in weakness, therefore I'm content with hardships and calamities and things that happen in my life. Because when I'm weak, it's then that I am strong. Because we have to realize it is God's strength that is getting us through these difficult times. It is God's strength um, that allows us to follow his will, even in the difficulty of, of physical or mental challenges. Um, so, yeah, so you just have to see, uh, given the talents, what you have, and, and given these limitations, or, or, or on, seem, on the surface seem to be limitations, that God still loves you. With all of his, again, using human language, with all of his heart, mind, and soul, and strength, that he loves you unconditionally. He loves you, Marie, as if you were the only person that has ever existed. And, he, and so in this midst of pain, you have to be a witness to glorify God. So everyone that comes to you, oh, Marie, I feel so bad for you. You know, you should be joyful. Say, no, you know what? God has given me this cross. I don't know why. But God has given this to me, and I will use this to glorify him. 
uh, you know, and I, I think uh, that's something that that uh, uh, that you can think about as you are continuing to to try to unfold the mystery of how God is using you for His glory. Does that make sense for you, Marie? Yeah, Deacon. Yeah, Deacon. I'm so I'm so great. I'm so uh, I appreciate very much what you have said. So full of inspiration for me to go on to to make a breakthrough to faith to faith to my faith. And to be trusting in God always. And one thing, another one is what I have told about discerning God's will for my for my marriage. Yeah, discerning God's will for your marriage. Yeah. So here, here's the thing that happens sometimes, uh, Marie. Uh, sometimes we're we get into the business of the quote unquote business of the marriage, paying the bills, raising the kids, doing my job, cleaning the house all those kinds of things that, that we forget that we're in a relationship with someone. It's not just a business relationship. We're in a relationship of loving, intimacy, and life-giving communion with this other person. That's modeled on Jesus' love for the church. And sometimes we can get sidetracked because of the busyness of life. But we can't for, ever forget that in the, the sacrament of marriage that God has given us everything that we need in that beautiful sacrament of matrimony to be able to get through the most difficult times and the toughest challenges. We have to uh, always call on that because that spirit is there. We have the sacrament. The Holy Spirit is there. But we have to cooperate with the grace that God has given us in that sacrament. That's the key to all the sacraments, to cooperate freely, cooperate with the grace. Now, remember, in a marriage, the two are one flesh. The two are one. So if one person is doing this and the other is not then it's not going to work the discernment is not going to work because you're not yoked together if you're not praying together if you're not journeying this uh, together as one then the whole thing's going to fall apart because now you're doing it separately and and remember what jesus says what what god has joined let no one put asunder See, so does, does that makes it so. So it, it, both you and your spouse have to have the will and have to have the desire to be able to to get past whatever it is you're dealing with in your marriage. And if your spouse is not, you have to pray for them. You have to fast for them that God's Holy Spirit will move them to seek the truth of what your relationship, what your marriage is all about. Marie, does that help? Yeah, just help. How about if he cheated on me? I'm sorry, I didn't catch that last part, Marie. If he cheated on me, it's cheated. He's cheated. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. See, well, yeah. So if if you know for sure that's the case, then that, and that's a devastating thing. Uh, that that break of trust, uh, because one of the foundational elements of a of a good marriage is trust, mm. and when that trust is violated. That's something that's very difficult to recover. So there are things, for example, there's a, a retrovi in the church. I would also recommend going, uh, both of you, going to see um, uh, a good Catholic priest. Um, to this, Why? The, and all these things to discover why it happened. Was there a need that was not being met that your husband felt he could meet with this other person? You know, and so we need to get to the root of that. And and we're going to have some, a, a guest on in a, a week or so, uh, uh, Greg and Julie Alexander from the Alexander House 
an incredible apostolate for marriages that are in trouble. Um, so that's what I'd recommend, Marie. So uh, Retrovi, it's called. So if you're not familiar with that, uh, check with your, your local parish about Retrovi. Speak with a good, holy Catholic priest, you and your husband together, and to, to get to the root of what may be going on uh, in, in his heart that led him to, to, uh, to have an affair. And finally, uh, contact the Alexander House, the Alexander House, Greg and Julie Alexander. Marie, thanks so much for your call. We appreciate it. And, of course, uh, before we continue calls and our discussion on discerning God's will, I want to let you know tonight we've got The World Over with Raymond Arroyo. He's got uh, Jim Caviezel, who is just recently a part of a runaway smash hit film called Sound of Freedom. So if you want to catch that, that's tonight at 8 Eastern on EWTN TV and radio. Uh, you're listening to the Beacon of Truth. Uh, this is, of course, with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Deacon, I wanted to ask you, as we talk about, you know, trying to wait for God to tell us about, you know, what, what is our purpose in life. I know for me personally, and I think for some, it's the same in waiting for his answer, continuing to do the last thing he told us. Like, what's the last thing you remember from him, especially even in the small things? Because I know I try to be an example of him in the waiting so that people can see that as an example of, oh, this is what it looks like to wait on God to reveal that next thing to me. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and, and I think about that, uh, what you said is with the apostles as well. You know, because think about it. They left their nets and they followed him. They mm. left everything behind to, to follow Jesus. They, they didn't really know him that well, but they, there was something there that caused them. So what was the last thing that they did? Um, the last thing to remember was they encountered Jesus and it changed their life. And they encountered Jesus and they changed their life. So you stay the course mm -hmm. until you you really discern that God has called you to do something different, which is what I did. I mean, I was in law enforcement for 23 years. It was only in the last year uh, of my career that I felt that God was calling me to something different. And I, tr and I spent eight months trying to talk him out of it, uh, <laughs> you know, because I, 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 I didn't want to change. I said, yeah. well, I'm very comfortable <clears throat> where I am in my life right now. And God said, if you want to take your relationship with me to the next level, you got to get uncomfortable. Mm. And what I want to do is offer a little reflection here. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. So um, I, I think about the apostles and what ran through their minds as they began to follow Jesus. I want you to think about this as you're, dis as you're going through the process of discernment as we begin to follow Jesus more closely. My God, I have no idea where I'm going. I clearly see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where that road will end. The fact that I think that I'm following your will does not mean that I'm actually doing so. <laughs> but I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may not be aware of it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave, leave me to face my perils alone. That's, that's, that's a wonderful reflection about discerning God's will. 
we think we're following God's will, but we're not sure sure if we are or not. But the desire, <coughs> excuse me, I'm getting over, getting over a little cold here. So, but the desire to follow God's will should always be burning in our hearts, knowing that whatever I'm doing now, that I am doing this not because I want some glory for me, but I believe that this activity in my life, this action in my life, this decision in my life is for the glorification of God. And some other things you can do just practically as well. Oh, my goodness. You have to embrace silence. You must go to Eucharistic adoration. To, 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 because be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46, verse 11. Be still and experience God. You know, black out everything else and embrace that silence and allow God to speak to your heart. One thing you can also do, pray the surrender novena. I love that. I, I've been praying it for two years, like every single day. I get to day nine. I start the next day with day with day one. Um, the surrender novena is extremely, extremely powerful. Uh, it was the novena that was written by uh, Padre Pio's spiritual director. Right? It's called the surrender novena. Another thing you could do if you're married, pray with your spouse. That's a beautiful way to discern God's will. Because remember, the two of you are one. Um, consult with people who will tell you the truth and not what you want to hear. Right? So if you say, well, for example, if you think you can sing and someone's saying, oh, man, you should try out for The Voice or one of those shows and you, and you really can't sing, they should tell you that. Um, More than just your mama's opinion. Exactly. Exactly. So, that's again, we just scratched the surface on discerning uh, God's will. This may be something that we'll return to in the future. But tomorrow, be prepared for our show, Faith After a Fall. All right. How do we pick up and continue our journey of, uh, of life with Christ uh, after we've fallen, after we've sinned? Sometimes we don't even feel worthy to be able to follow Jesus again after what we did. So we're going to talk about that t- on tomorrow's Beacon of Truth. Remember, to stream today's show, visit Podcast Central at EW10.com slash radio. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.